Courtship, dating, lordship. It's a bait and switch. It's not what you think it is. We're talking about relationships this morning. We talked about relationships yesterday between a married couple, between a married couple and single couples. This morning we're talking about relationships defined as between a young person and another young person. And let me just say that I am so grateful that scripture does not, is not silent on this issue. Because no one does this perfectly. I certainly didn't. I wish, uh, knowing now what I know, especially as I've matured in my understanding of Scripture, that I would have done things a few, few things differently. God gets the glory. God gives grace. But I'm so grateful that I don't have to speak from pure experience, as God certainly uh, has a much more beautiful picture, although He certainly has done wonderful things for me in my life. This topic isn't just for young people. When we speak of relationships, we uh, speak of that that covers everybody. So I'm certainly not just speaking to young people or young people of marriageable age this morning. If you're married, then this is for you as well, because there are principles in Scripture. The principles of relationships in Scripture cover uh, any age and any status. Of, um, of your relationship with other people. As we discussed yesterday, we are the bride of Christ. The bride of Christ, the church, the true church, is the true, universal, invisible church as God sees it. Therefore, the subject of relationships between young person to young person, whether marriageable age or not, is still within this context of being the bride of Christ. Scripture speaks very clearly to these things. And I believe that one of the main reasons this is so difficult for young people and for all of us to understand between a young person of marriageable age and another person or a young person that's 15 or 16 and another young person is because we take the biblical categories of relationships and we try to add another one that's not in Scripture. And we're going to show that this morning. There are categories clearly defined in relationship that put clearly defined boundaries upon what those relationships should look like. And yet when we talk about romantic or emotional type relationships that would potentially end in marriage, we normally take that and we set it over here and we say, now we have created a fourth category and that quarter category is nowhere found in Scripture. And so we have that dichotomy between what is true and what we would like it to work out to be, and it gets really confusing in the middle. So I want to, we want to clear the air this morning of what is biblical, and we'll see very clearly then where we sometimes try to jump over into a completely different side of things. One of the reasons why relationships are so important between anyone is for Christians is because this is a reflection of the gospel. It is a reflection of the gospel. How you conduct yourself with another person as a believer, regardless of who that person is, shows the world, tells the world of your theology, of what you believe about the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you are the bride of Christ, then you are are in the, the female side of things in submission to Christ. We are all the bride of Christ. But men, you're also to model... Uh, 
the God side of that relationship of God or Christ and his bride. So there's things that you should be doing. So whatever you do as a male or female shows what you truly believe about the gospel. So God is very interested and has given us much in scripture to determine what those relationships should look like. He's not left us in the cold because these relationships reflect on the gospel and he wants that to be an extremely clear picture to the world. Shep spoke on that last night, that everything you do sends a message about your theology. Relationships and how they conducted are in many ways age appropriate. And we will speak about this. The church should walk alongside. And that as we walk alongside young people and their and as they grow up, it's going to look very different, that walking alongside. There may be times where it is looking, <clears throat> excuse me, it looks like a, a, a rebuke or a correction. We come alongside a young person, we say, you know, you know that, that's a little inappropriate. You're, out, you're stepping outside of what would be the biblical boundaries here. There may be a time where you're saying, you know what, young man, young man, that is a fine young lady, pursue her. She would be an admirable uh, pursuit. Uh, this is testimony in this church. I, as many of you probably know, uh, Lucy, my wife, um, I had admired her. I admired her for many years. I never thought of her as a marriageable potential simply because of she was super strong spiritually. And I'm thinking, you know, how in the world am I going to lead this woman spiritually? Bill Bush House helped fix me on that problem. And then... Uh, <clears throat> Tom Proach uh, was even before that. He helped me. He sat me down for two hours in Nanny Rose's house and said, man, you are a fool for not looking for this woman. I'm thinking, yeah, you're probably right. But, he, you know, he came alongside in a loving way and just said, hey, you know, I'm not telling you to marry this woman. I'm just telling you she should probably be on your radar screen. And I'm sure glad he did. Hmm. So there's certainly some, there's certainly different ways that the church is going to look like this. What it should not look like is a, is a condemning as a condemning way or a making fun of way. Oh, they're so cute. You know, this type of, oh, they're, oh, they must be an item. No, that's not, that's not helpful. But we've we got to be wise about this. We've got to be wise about this in age appropriate. If we're looking over here at a 15 or 16 year old doing some things, you know, we need to be able to say, that's not appropriate. And we need just to encourage them in the Lord, bringing them up in the maturity and perfection of Christ. If it's a 25 year old, we better be saying, yeah, you better be talking to that person. <laughs> Uh, so there's age-appropriate levels here. And we need to be mature about this and we need to understand this. And, and we, there's, there's times to interact and there's certainly not times. And I think if just a little bit of thought given to these things, especially with the biblical parameters we're going to go through this morning, uh, should make it very clear about how we should conduct ourselves as those that are desiring as the church to encourage young people that are of marriageable age or those that are not. Because we're seeking to encourage them to the, to the Lord. We're seeking to mature them in Christ. We're seeking to help them perfect the relationship that they have with others to make it a very clear reflection of the gospel. That's what we're seeking to do. We're not seeking to go, you know, you fit into my mold. No, no, no. You fit into God's mold. You fit into Christ's mold. You fit into a picture that glorifies Him. And that oftentimes doesn't look like me. It doesn't look like how I would do it. Because guess what? My shortcomings are different than your shortcomings. And what is lawful for me may not be lawful for you. And there are clearly defined boundaries of what is lawful and what is not. And there's some gray areas too. We've got to be very mature about this. Okay. Number one. My first point. Here's the introduction. First point would be what should mark 
biblical relationships, regardless of the person's age or status, single or married? What should mark biblical relationships, regardless of the person's age or status, single or married? Go with me to Romans 9. Romans 9. Now, let me just say, as we define these, these biblical re, uh, marks of relationships, <clears throat> this is not glamorous. It is not emotional. It doesn't give you the f- fuzzies. So, young people, you've got to be mature in the Lord and, and look at this and go, but this doesn't feel like I want it to look like. I don't care. You don't base what you do on feelings. You base what you do upon truth of God's word. So you look at these things and you've got to, this is, where, this is where it's faith. This is a walk of faith. You look at it and you go, if this is God's way, then this must be God's best. If it's God's best, he's not prohibiting me from something that is better. He's keeping me from something so that I can obtain the best. And that's a walk of faith. It's not a walk of emotion. So check yourself as you go... You know, that just seems a little sterile. Well, it, it seems like that in the world's perception, in the sinful heart perception. Romans 12. Let's start with verse 9. This is the, my Bible calls this the marks of a true Christian. Marks, biblical, mark, and, and we, we see four. I'm going to go through four marks here. There's certainly others, but here's four marks of biblical relationships, regardless of the person's age or status. Beginning in verse 9. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless those and do not curse you. And it goes on through other relationships. Mark well in there, before I even get into the four marks I'm going to use, mark well that there is very little that shows me or I It's about Christ and others. We know this because of the first two commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Mark number one, love. This you see in verses 9 through 10a. Let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with brotherly affection. We will get into the biblical parameters of the biblical categories of relationships in here. But just for right now... You love another person as a brother or sister in Christ. And we'll define in a little bit what that will look like. This, define, this love, should, as a believer, is going to transcend any age. And this must be so because any relationship in the Christian life, as we are saying, is meant to reflect the gospel of Jesus Christ. Love God first and love for others second. Second mark, found in verse 10b of Romans 12. Honor. Honor the other person. Love one another with brotherly affection. 10b, outdo one another in showing honor. This can look many different ways. But one of the ways would be certainly politeness. Being polite to this other person. So what we're not saying is, if you're 16 years old, you should just... Won't look at her. Not going to talk to her. She's a girl. She's walking right by me. She's going to open the door. And I'm not even going to... No. You show honor. 
You treat others, Matthew 7, 12, the way you would desire to be treated. You open the door, you greet them, good morning. There's certainly honorable ways to do this. And we know this. You treat them with honor. Purity. Number three, purity. Verse 11. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. It it has to be a, a heart that is pure for God first. Any relationship is going to go south if the heart is not pure for God first because you're seeking to put others before God. Now, I'm not just talking about physical purity. We need to strive for emotional and mental purity. We see that clearly in Matthew 5, 28, that you can look with a woman at lust in your heart. There's no physical act that's happening there, and yet you are, you are not being pure mentally. So there's emotional purity and there's mental purity as well. Not just for you, but for the other person. 1 Corinthians 10, 23-24, it may be okay for me, it, what is lawful for me may not be helpful for others. It can cause a stumbling block. So in relationships, especially relationships that may be pursuing, that may be of, uh, with an, with casually with another person, or even in a relationship that is intentional and purposeful for the purpose of marriage, you've got to be careful because what you may be able to do may not be best for that other person. And you've got to, you've got to come back. Uh, this clearly is seen in physical and physicality in a purposeful, intentional relationship. Two young people pursuing marriage, pursuing getting to know each other for the purpose of marriage. There may be some things in that relationship the woman can do that the man cannot and vice versa. So we're seeking to have purity for not only myself, but for others. Guys and girls, you've got to understand, obviously, that we're different. So guys, you might be able to just, hey, I can talk to her all day. No big deal. We're just rolling along. And to girls, that level of communication could be pulling her toward emotional and mental impurity. And you've got to note that. You've got to be careful of that. You need to put the other person first. There's obviously a complementary difference, but certainly they're a difference. Number four, first is love, second honor, three purity. It's like drinking from a fire hydrant this morning. We've got to go fast. A lot to go through. Humility, verse 16. Didn't read that in my initial reading, but let me read it now. Live in harmony with, with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate. Do not be proud, but associate with the lowly. Humility. And this, is, this has got to mark itself in your own heart. You have got to be humble enough to be honest enough with your own, with your own heart and emotion. And guess what? If we say that, then you probably need help. Because you can't know your own heart. So you, you seek to involve yourself in community and parents and wise counselors, etc. To be able to help know, hey, I think I'm doing okay here. But I want to honor Christ first. Would you help me see the intentions of my heart? Humility. Love, honor, purity, humility. Marks of, the, of any biblical relationship. Okay. We're going to define some terms. Before we get into a few other things, let's define some terms. Because when I say the word dating, it means something probably different to most people in here. Lordship, some people have never heard of it. Courtship, it's got a good rap, it's got a bad rap. Let me define, by start, start by with dating. All these things have many different characteristics. Dating. The, the dating... 50 years, 60, 80 years ago, dating had a different context than it does now. 
Dating 60 years ago was an action. We went out on a date. It had nothing to do with the characteristic of the relationship. Now, today, it's a category. We're dating. That doesn't mean anything other than we're dating. It doesn't mean necessarily that there's an action. It's not like you're going to eat with this person. It just, it, it, it's a category of relationship. We've got to be very careful. Normal dating by the world standards today is marked by independent interaction and less community. It's now used to describe romantic versus non-romantic relationships. So you might say, we're just friends. That's a non-romantic in today's language. We're dating. That's now a romantic relationship. Really careful here. It's now a boy-girlfriend thing rather than a, an activity that's something a guy or a girl did. So it's changed over the years. So you can ask, you, could, you can tell a person who's, you could tell your grandmother, yes, I'm dating this young man. And what that means to her is you're pursuing marriage intentionally with this young man. And if you tell your girlfriend that's your same age, I'm dating this guy, that means you're being romantic. It has nothing really to do with intentional purpose. It's kind of all about me and feelings. Let me describe another term. I'm going to go through four terms. The just friends term. You've got to be really careful here. We normally toss this around very loosely. Oh, we're just friends. Okay. If we're Christians, then if we're believers, if we live by the word of God, we go to scripture to define friendship. And the way we throw that term around now is not defined the way we define it in scripture. The terminology we use normally means there's some emotional intimacy there. We've got to be very, very careful. Young ladies, young men, you should have very few friends. You have a lot of acquaintances. You'll have a lot of good relationships. But friendship defined according to Scripture is a, is a tier that we've really pulled away from. We're now into, i got a lot of friends. Well, a man who show, has friends must show himself friendly. It waters down your moral system. Don't use that just friends as a cop-out. Got to go back to humility there. If you're not being humble, you're proud about the way you're conducting yourself in a relationship that you know may be on the edge, don't just use the just friends as a cop-out to try to get out of what you know may not be good. Number three, courtship. What's that term? It's generally more community-related, more interaction with the family. You're more involved with other people. Uh, obviously, the terms are, are very dangerous because just like dating has its far-reaching pendulum and swings... So does courtship. Meeting with a girl at the Salutations of the season. I'm sorry I'm late. You ran over a cat on the way here. Hope it didn't hurt your car. Um, I'd like to start at the beginning of the book, if you don't mind. Are you pre-trip, mid-trip, or post-trip? Uh, I'm all pre. I, Are you Arminian? Arminian? Yeah. Do you believe in front hugs, I'm... side hugs, or a good high five? Well, like when I hug my dog, I, 
What are your views on predestination? Well, I'm, I'm not. Do you I'm use euphemisms? There, there comes a time when they just kind of blurt something out, and they just gotta. What does your daily snap. diet consist of? I eat a lot of Doritos. I eat a lot of Taco Roman, and I love Rice Krispies. Do you believe in the five points of Calvin? All of them. Are you Presbyterian or Baptist? Well, and now. What do you think about God's sovereignty versus man's responsibility? Um. Well, well see. Do it, you wear turtlenecks or skinny jeans? The skinny jeans. Do you believe in infant baptism? Like babies? How do you feel about living with your in-laws after marriage? Well, like, I live in the basement right now. Do you have any objection to a double wedding? Like, getting married twice. Courtship, engagement, marriage? In that order? Or, cause, what are your beliefs on Christian single mingle? I, I definitely think that's good. Helps the single people, and I've got the app for that. Do you think children should have media devices before the age of 10? Like infants? Do you think guys should carry purses? Now that depends on your definition of a purse. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, well I think that wraps it up. I have one more question for you. Um, do you believe in 10 year engagements? Um, I hadn't quite put my brain cells to work on that one, but maybe I'll mull it over a little bit and about it. Um, well, I'd like to send you a copy of this book through the mail. Oh, uh, is, it, is there a digital form? And um, you probably need to read it by the time you meet with my father next week. And you and him will be getting to know each other on a regular basis for five years. And then after that, we will see about you coming over and getting to know the family for another additional two years. And then after that, if the Lord wills, then maybe we could see about getting to know each other on a regular basis. But that's all I have for today. Um, it was very nice getting to know you, sir, and meeting you. Um, no physical touch, please. Um, thank you for this day. Please have a good rest of the day. So obviously there is the far-reaching view of courtship. And uh, you tell some people I'm courting and that's the picture that they get. And um, so we, we want to define some things. Now, lordship. What is lordship? Well, one of the reasons I, we could hate to throw in a new term, but one of the things I think reasons you could throw in a new term is because uh, the terms we have are pretty much broken. And we've kind of got this mental perception. So I'm going to throw out lordship, which would be doing things in a Christ-like way, submitting myself to his will, revealed and secret, and secret ways, and seeking to conduct myself in relationships with God's glory in mind, not my own pleasure. Seeking to do things God's way and conduct myself in relationships with God's glory in mind, not my own pleasure. If you use that terminology... You get rid of a lot of the how do you do's and the five steps and the progressions and the get to know the dad for two years and, and then get to know the family for, or get to know the dad for five years and get to know the family for two years and then uh, you, get, you get past all of these things and you go, what does God want for his glory? 
terminology there. Dating, just friends, courtship, lordship. Um, we, we noted a little bit yesterday, Daddy did, Mr. Welch said, on emotions and body chemistry. And before I get into some of the, the categories given in Scripture on relationship, I want to touch again on this. Proverbs 4.23, guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. You tell that to a young person that's in a relationship or that's desiring to be in a relationship and their first question is going to be, why? Why should I guard my heart? Why should I do something that feel guard my heart from something that feels so good? These emotions, this body chemistry feels, feels great. Why should I guard these things? Well, the first reason is, is because you've got to guard your heart because it's not your own. You've been bought with a price. Your heart is not your own. You are to seek satisfaction in Christ alone. The satisfaction we seek in an emotional relationship is normally, I'm not saying all the time, but is normally devoid of Christ, and that is idolatry. He is to be our single and only satisfaction. Guarding your heart against emotions is needed. Now, let me give a little bit of a physical analogy here. You all, each person here probably has something like this at your house. This is a, uh, a water sprinkler, whatever device. It goes on the end of a hose. And uh, this one looks like it's been through its paces, which it has, because I take a hammer to it to try to beat it off the hose. And you know, when you take a hammer to something like this and beat it off the hose, it never goes on quite the same way. And it, this, is, this is very much akin to the human heart. It is really difficult to take a sinful heart, a sinfully inclined heart, although saved, and squeeze that trigger and get it pointed in the right direction. Where all of it's coming out the end for the focused purpose of glorifying to God. If you put this thing on the end of a hose, it doesn't have an O-ring on it. And I can squeeze and tighten and do everything I want. And there's going to be water coming out all over the place. And I'm doing my best to hold, but it's very difficult. This is a lot like emotions. Out of coming out of the human heart. You've got to guard it. You're not going to do it perfectly. But you've got to do everything you can for the glory of God. To, to tighten it up. To work on it. Because it is, it is much more satisfying. You've got to trust me on this, young people. It is much more satisfying to get all of those emotions coming out in a focused purpose for the glory of God. Than it is to just have this water war. Have this wee sprinkler opportunity. It might feel good then. But it won't last and it won't help in the future and it doesn't give glory to God. So realize that these emotions, they're, they're difficult to tackle. You're not going to do it perfectly. There's God's grace, but you've got to work to really guard your heart. Emotions are made by God. Look in scripture. He's got love. He's got joy. He's got wrath, anger. But we cannot be driven by emotions. We're to be driven by the Holy Spirit. Emotions are wonderful things, but they cannot drive us. Emotions, when they get out of hand lead to sin. Emotions used in the right way can help you help drive you to a deeper trust in God. So when you see the emotions are leaking out kind of all over the place, that should be a check. Ah, let me use that as a reminder to refocus them on the glory and majesty of God. I think in a church like this, with young people seeking to guard their hearts to marriage, that we have to guard our heart even more than the world does. Because a lot of the young people in here have done an admirable job or are seeking to do a really good job of keeping their emotions and body chemistry in check. 
and you don't have the practice, praise the Lord, that the world has had up until marriage of dealing with these things. And then you get into a relationship and you've tried to bottle them up. And all of a sudden you're feeling and dealing with stuff that you've never done before. And you've really got to watch it. Because the, the world, they just let it all hang out from about 12 years of age. You know, we remember the middle school. You go in there, there's all the fun uh, disco balls and dancing. And, you know, they've been doing it since a young age of letting it all hang out there. And then they get to marriage and, or before marriage and they're pretty much spent on the body chemistry and emotions. And so they're just, it, they just deal with it. And then we in the church who are seeking to do things God glorifying way, we're all of a sudden dealing with stuff we've been trying to bottle up. And sometimes we can get ourselves in particular situations that we don't want to be in. Are feelings bad? No. But you'd better be of the age of maturity to do something about them. Otherwise, be, put yourself, be wise to put yourself in a position to minimize those feelings, to control them. There are certainly age-appropriate times and in relationships to begin to move those things toward marriage. And certainly that's why we encourage fast engagements because those things are starting to come out and you want to ramp them all the way into or move them all the way into marriage as quickly as possible and not let them come out inappropriately. If you are 16 years old, young man, you have really no reason to be seeking out female emotional friendships. You have no business doing that because it's going to do nothing for you. You should be about the business of your father as Christ was at 12 years of age in Luke 2. You need to be focusing on developing godly manhood and working. Even if you fell hopelessly in love with this woman and you somehow clearly knew that this was God's will, you can't do anything about it. You couldn't marry the girl. There's, remember, marriage success factors. There's no means of economic livelihood there. So there's age-appropriate times to do these things. But let's be very careful in letting the emotions out. Just a note on these emotions things. You want to stay away from... Does she like me? Does she like me not? Does she like me? Does she like me not? It won't do a thing for you. Young ladies, you can find out. He likes me. What then? You're not supposed to be the initiator in the relationship anyway. Now you've just got yourself going. Really, emotions are let out the door and your heart's soaring over here. When's it going to land? How's it going to land? You have no control over what's going to happen here. And you're opening yourself up for a world of hurt. Young men, things are different with y'all if you're of marriageable age. It's not, does she like me? Does she like me not? Because that's basing in a relationship upon emotions. Very ill-advised. Young man, if you are of marriageable age and you look over here and see another young lady of marriageable age and you're interested in potentially getting to know her for the glory of God, it should not be, does she like me? It's, does God want this? So I encourage young men, take 180 days to pray about this young lady. And at about 10 days in, the emotions will be punted. And at the 180 day mark, if she's still firmly implanted upon your mind that God has put there to pray for her, it's probably something you should pursue. But normally what I see is about 12 days in, you talk to the guy, hey, how's your prayer going about this young lady? Which young lady? Just completely forgot because it was based upon emotions. To determine that, Move the emotions out of the situation and see what God has in that situation for you. Dads, you've got to come along here. You've got to have that relationship with the young ladies. You noticed in our Young Married panel yesterday, a marked aspect of, of Sharon and uh, 
Kristen and Bethany, where they had a strong relationship with their father, and they were able to use their father to help handle these emotions of, does he like me? Does he like me not? They went to dad. Dad helped guide them through this process. That's what dads are for. Young ladies, your father cannot give away your heart to a man unless he has it. You've got to trust the Lord, your heavenly father, and give that heart to your father to protect. That's the God-ordained authority there. And if you try to keep it from your dad, how are you ever going to expect to be given in marriage? Because he has nothing to give. You've withheld it. Got to have that relationship there. Let me say that relationships should not look like emotions will drive, should not look like flirting. Uh, this won't, uh, won't go anywhere. I love to flirt with my wife, and it's completely appropriate. It is not appropriate outside of marriage. And one of the reasons I know this is because watch a very small child, and the things that they do are inanimately, naturally of a sinful nature. They throw a fit. They do things. They just let things go. I took Chandler a couple weeks ago into a plumbing supply store here in town. Here's a four and a half year old young man. Just trapes him with his daddy to get some pipes. We got no big deal, right? We walk into this store, a little store here in town, and there's this little girl. And I don't know how old she was, but I'm guessing she was five. Five or six-ish. And she was about Chandler's height. And then we came through the door. She's got those pretty little curls. And he's kind of like, oh, because she was on him like flies on honey. I mean, boom, right there. Oh, and, and Chandler's going, what, what is this? this? This girl, man, she was, she was working it. It's not appropriate, obviously. But why do, why do I know that flirtation doesn't work? It, it comes out at a very young age. And it won't, it isn't honoring. It's normally self-seeking. Uh, it's normally out of a tin, sinful heart. It's normally because it makes me feel good. And notice flirtation between a guy and a girl is, it normally feels, um, it's normally condescending. It's not normally building this person up. Hey, you look so good. That's not building the person up in Christ. That's making them try to get feelings to emote back to you to make you feel like you've conquered. You've, you've arrived as a man. You've been able to get this person. That's, that's pride. That's sin. Rotation has no place in godly relationships between young people. No place at all. Surround yourself with a community that help you discern the state of your heart when it comes to boundaries, guidelines for physical interaction with a purposeful relationship. Um, let me just say that these emotions embody chemistry, that there are boundaries um, according to re- categories defined in Scripture, which is where we're going next. But these are especially, um, they're, they're clear for emotions, uh, emotional purity, mental purity, uh, also physical purity. You've got to be careful with, with the, the emotions and body com- chemistry coming out. So put yourself in a good, strong community, parents, good church that help you discern the state of your heart, again, going back to uh, humility. I think sometimes in the areas of flirtation and, and body chemistry, it's sort of like this analogy. A wife bakes this wonderful chocolate cake for their guests coming tonight. The husband arrives from home, walks in, chocolate cake. Wife says, don't eat that chocolate cake. Right, won't eat the chocolate cake. It's for the guests. 
She leaves the room. He goes over, cuts himself a slice, proceeds to put it in his mouth, chew it, not swallow it, spit it back on the plate, and then he goes and shoves it all back into the plate. And she comes in. What are you doing? You had the... I didn't eat the chocolate cake. I didn't swallow it. I just chewed it. What this flirtation in body chemistry is trying to get all the feeling and stuff out of it without the commitment to it. And you can't, you can't go down that road. Now, what are the boundaries defined in Scripture? What are the categories defined in Scripture? And then the boundaries that go with those categories. Where are they, where are they in Scripture? And this will help immensely. This will help immensely define what are the boundaries determined by the categories. And so now you can look over here and say, where, does, where am I in this category with this? What, what scriptural category am I in with this individual? And if I'm in this category, then you can go, okay, now, if I'm in that category, Scripture says I cannot do these things. Category number one. Category number one, neighbor. Under neighbor would be enemy, would be any person outside of the family. Any person outside of the family. I'm going to explain a little more into each one of these. It's the boundaries, but that would be a neighbor, family. You have the family. We're not speaking of married. That's the third. Jumping ahead of myself, but family, brother-sister relationships, things of this nature, mom-to-child relationships, father-to-son. Then you have the married category, neighbor, family, married. Those are the only categories given in Scripture. Notice there's no courting category. There's no pursuit of marriage category. There's just neighbor, family, marriage. Physically, there are boundaries placed. Marriage, sexuality is permitted and commanded. And all the other categories, sexuality is prohibited. Now, how does this help us? You're going to... You're in a relationship, young people. You're in a relationship, purposeful, God-honoring. You go, where are my physical boundaries? What is good? What is right? Well, number one, anything that is sexual, you can't do. Because that's over here for marriage. So you can't, you can't, you can't do anything over here. How would you to help define what that looks like? You go, well, they're in the neighbor category. What can I do with my neighbor? Well, what you can do with your neighbor is the same thing you can do with the family. What can you do with your family? Well, I do this and this and this with my sister. I've never seen a young man pursuing marriage hug his sister sexually. And we all know what that means. It doesn't happen. I've never seen her kiss her sexually. A a boy doesn't kiss his sister in that way. So why does he think he can go over here and do that with this person? You can't. The neighbor and the family conducted themselves the same way. That's why we often tell young people, treat them as a brother or sister in Christ. Because it's clearly defined in Scripture what that's to look like. So you treat this other person. Now the question really becomes is, well, when do we go from neighbor to married? On the day you're married. And not before. You can't do anything in this neighbor category before you're married. Anything in the married category before you're Uh, In the neighbor category. You're a neighbor up until the man says, join you two together. One man, one wife. Now you're in the married category. Up until then, you're in the neighbor category. So you, you conduct yourself appropriately as you would with your sister. Now, 
Can I hug my sister? Of course I can hug my sister. Can I hug her close? Of course I can hug her close. This goes back. Down we have to go even farther back and say, what is honoring to the other person? We've got to go back to those four biblical characteristics. What is good for them that may... That I, what, is, what can I do that may not be good for them? And you go back to even further what we just talked about, body chemistry and emotions. Where you say, you know what? I'm really liking this person. I want to marry this person. And as Bob, Bob's, uh, Mr. Welch's category there of 0 to 100 in body chemistry, starting with emotional intimacy leads to physical intimacy, you've got to be a wise, humble person that says, hey, I can hug my sister and I might be able to hug my, the person I'm in a relationship with the same way. But if I do that, it's going to lead to me thinking thoughts that are not mentally pure. I'm not going to do that. Do you see how these things become clear in Scripture? You conduct yourself first to God, and then you go to Scripture and you say, well, here's how things things work out that He has seen, that He gives us. We mistakenly create an intermediary category between singleness and marriage, that happens during a purposeful relationship and that's dangerous. In essence, we make a fourth category. But it's no different before courtship, during courtship, during engagement than the neighbor relationship. Now, he or she may be becoming quickly your closest neighbor, but that's what a short engagement's for. Three characteristics of a purposeful relationship. If you're 16, year old, I'm 16 years old, I'm not just talking to you. But if you're of marriageable age, able to be in a purposeful relationship, intent on marriage, here are three characteristics of what that relationship should look like. Number one, it should be intentional. should be intentional. You should clearly communicate your intentions. That's why, uh, or purposeful. Intentional, purposeful, clearly communicating your intentions and the purpose of this relationship. That's why flirting goes out. Because that's not clear, clear communication. You're coming to this young lady, or you're young, young lady, you're allowing this young man to come to you and say, our fathers, obviously fathers are involved, we encourage fathers to be involved, saying, I'm interested in getting to know you as a neighbor to see whether or not we should be in the married category. This is an intent, it has an intentional purpose to it. It's not a, what makes me feel good, it's what does God want? And is there a p- potential here for marriage? A purposeful relationship is one aiming to honor God and discover His will in regards to a lifelong covenant together. Purposeful relationships are marked by a commitment to this other person to the point that the relationship, unless God shows clearly, will move from the neighbor category into the married category within an appropriate time. You aren't getting into this relationship in order to test drive the system. Young men, you must work hard to determine His will. It's not a, well, I'm not sure what, quite what God wants, so I think I'll just be in this relationship to see if it's God's will. Uh-uh, that doesn't work. Instead, your thinking should be more of, I know this is God's will, and unless he reveals differently down the road, I'm pursuing this relationship to the point of marriage. My best friend who stood with me at my wedding, I had two best men. One was, one was my brother, Cade, and then the other was a, a friend of mine by the name of Jesse Brumball. He's married and lives in Ohio. And when he went to court the potential young lady that is now his wife, he was really struggling with, is this God's will? And the, his now father-in-law was very wise. And his father-in-law is a farmer. And they were riding. And they sat on a tractor driving this hay field. Or this field. And the father-in-law looked at him and said, Jesse, you've got to leave. And don't come back and ask me for my daughter's hand. Or per, to pursue my daughter. Unless you are firmly convinced 
that this is God's will and that you should marry this woman. Now, what he was not saying is you should know you should marry this woman. What he was saying is you should be so convinced of God's will in this relationship that regardless of whatever happens, unless God shows you clearly, wherever the emotions are, you're here. And it was very hard for him. And you know what? He had a beautiful, beautiful courtship and engagement and now marriage. Because it was not based upon anything other than this is God. Now, God's will. Now, let me say, ladies, I want to I tell you that, and I'll say this at the end. We're not saying emotions are bad. And doing it God's way doesn't mean it's going to feel good. It, it feels incredible. But for the glory of God and in His way, not for your own selfish pleasure. And when you do it God's way, it will always be more pleasurable. Be careful. Be careful here with this intentional relationships because we can confuse commitment or intentionality of a relationship with attraction. We're committed. We're intentional about this relationship. And yet, you're actually just really attracted to that person. Emotionally. Not a bad thing. That's part of it. You should be attracted to that person. But you need to be very careful that you're not defining intentionality and purpose by just attraction. It needs to be more than just attraction. Purposeful in order to build them up to maturity in Christ. Colossians 1.28 Intentional for the glory of God. Do all things for the glory of God. Colossians 3, not for your selfish pleasure. That's the first characteristic. Intentional, purposeful. Two, considering a relationship's exclusivity as voluntary. Mark said it well yesterday. You've got to hold this relationship in an open hand. You're in this relationship, but young man, you are allowing this young lady. You're not binding her to you. You're not married. You're saying, as the Lord wills. Because guess what? As we well know yesterday... And that prayer for Sarah Dana, and I'll report here in a minute, Sarah's doing well, she's, she's injured, she'll be well. But, but God did not have to spare her life. He did. But if Sarah was in a relationship for the pursuit of marriage, and she was two days before her wedding, and God forbid, at, by God's grace, he did not take her, but she had been killed, that young man, he's now left standing. And if he, if he had done things in here to hold that relationship with a tight fist squeezing the relationship out of it because it's me, 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 me. Ooh, ooh, his heart is going to be really tough for him. He wants to hold it and say, God, you do what you will for your glory. Considering a relationship's exclusivity as voluntary, God, do what you will. Hold it in an open hand. Number three, maintaining the guidelines. Three characteristics of a purposeful relationship. We've got five minutes here. Maintaining the guidelines of sexual and romantic purity found in the neighbor category. Look at the neighbor category. That's defined by what you can do with your family. And then be wise. Watch body chemistry. Watch emotions. Talk, 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 talk. Talk to your parents. Help define what your weaknesses are. And then as uh, Zach and Kristen said, well, a lot of times you've got to recalibrate. Come back and go, oh, no, can't do that. We did that over here. That was fine to this point. But now things are growing and changing. We need to step back. It's a, it's a movable process. For closing here, I want to just give some exhortation uh, to two exhortations to parents, two to young people, and then a, uh, a call for one thing as closing here. Vody Bauckham's book, What He Must Be to Marry My Daughter, I have not read all of it, so I'm not going to recommend it to you. It comes highly recommended. I, I can't recommend it because I've not read it all. I'm sure it has some really good things. 
But he, he gives a story here that I think is very good for parents. Parents, I think this, should, this needs to be a, <clears throat> by God's grace, uh, the vision that we need to impart to our children that will really help in relationships. This is his story. As a boy, Vodi, as a boy, my uncle, a retired Marine Corps drill instructor, took me to Paris Island, South Carolina, where I witnessed USMC boot camp firsthand. It was absolutely life-altering. I could not believe how different their world was from the one in which I lived. The discipline with which these men lived, their uniformity, conformity, courage, fire in their eyes was almost overwhelming. My uncle saw the wonder with which I watched these men being taken through their paces and he put his arm around my shoulder and said, you have to remember what they're being trained for. My uncle spoke volumes in those few words. These men weren't prepared to sit at desks. They were being trained to charge machine gun nests into storm beaches. As such, their training was demanding, even brutal at times. However, it would be unreasonable to expect a Marine to accomplish the task to which Marines are frequently assigned without such demanding training. I often think of my day at Paris Island as I walk through life with my children. I am not training them to advance on machine gun nests, but I do expect them to storm the gates of hell. And if that is the case, then I must prepare them beforehand. I must have an end goal in mind if my training program is to be effective. This is true in Marine Corps training and is also true in marriage preparation. Give your children a reason for why they should be in a relationship. And I think... uh, Justin said it well yesterday, that as you're in this relationship, you got this purpose that God's given you to storm the gates of hell and a specific way to do that. And as you're doing that, you look over here and see this young lady and go, hey, if she, me, we could do this even better. It could be even more purposeful, more glorifying to God. But it's with this aim in mind rather than with this aim in mind, which normally tends to just go, what is good for me? Parents, give your children a biblical understanding of what they're being guarded from and trained for, for relationships. Number two, parents, I just encourage you, talk, 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 talk. This body chemistry and growing up, I talked to the Adams boys yesterday about this for myself personally. I can't believe my son is four and a half. And I talked to my brother this week, who's going to be 17. And when I left the house, he was seven, which is only two and a half years older than Chandler. And I'm sitting there going, it's moving fast. It's an avalanche. And if you just try to kind of stay away from it, it won't work. You've got to point your skis down that hill. You've got to get out in front. You've got to run. I mean, it is a wild ride. But you've got to get out in front because that thing's coming. And those emotions are building. That body chemistry. And they're getting older. And it's just, you've got to get out and you've got to go. And get out in front of them. You're going, to make, you're going to hit some bumps. But get out in front. It's an adventure. Talk to them. Seek to let them know that you're interested in their best interests for the glory of God. You're excited about helping them guide through these years. Make an adventure. You don't have to have all the answers, but you're communicating with them, letting them know, I don't have all the answers, but I'm really interested in obtaining the answers with you. So let's work on this together. Let's make this a fun adventure together. But we've got to get out in front. We've got to, we're going off the edge here. And you can either be tedious about going off the edge. The best way to go off the edge, though, is, is just point those skis and go. So if you try to, uh, I remember the skiing for the first time. I'd never skied before, came to the steep hill. A lot of it was ice. And, you know, you're supposed to go side to side. And I didn't like the chattering of those skis. And so skip this. I just pointed those skis downhill and went. Number one, it got me down the hill faster. Number two, gravity's helping me get down. I'm not having to fight all these different things. And sometimes that's what you have to do. A lot of times in these relationships, just get out and go. 
not with the relationship, but parent-to-child relationship. Young people, young people, here's some exhortation to young people. Conduct yourself, this is common, but conduct yourself, a good reminder, as if all young ladies or young men will have to be, um, conduct yourself in relationships, young people, marriageable age or not, conduct yourself appropriately so that if every person you've ever had a even casual relationship with, if they were to sit in here on your wedding day, they could watch you come down the aisle and go, that person's pure. You don't want them to say, oh, I know what he did. Oh, I know the way she spoke to me. Oh, I, he stole part of my heart. Yeah, he's up there, but he doesn't know that, she doesn't know that half his heart was over here with me one day. You don't want that. You don't want them to watch you kiss at the altar and think, she's not pure. She flirted with me for years. I know where her heart went. You don't want that. You want everybody to be able to sit in here and go, wow, to the glory of God. Young men, young ladies, treat guys as if they were another person's... Treat, guy, treat, young ladies treat guys as if they were another wife's husband. Young men treat girls as if they are another man's wife because they probably are. The odds of you treating this one individual like you're going to be married to them someday is really slim that you're actually going to be married to that person. So treat them as another man's wife or another man's husband. Give them distance. Honor them. We talked about this. Honor, love, purity, humility. Treat them in that way. Remember, closing, we are the bride of Christ, Revelation 21.1.3. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Christ is coming back for his bride. We must be prepared for that day. The need, quoting from a book here, to romantically woo a woman or to give your heart away to a man prior to a marriage commitment is to paint an unclear portrait of Christ and the church. This all comes back to the gospel. From the beginning of time, Christ has reserved his deepest affections and desires for the church even before he met her. And from the earliest days of creation, the saints have waited with a monogamous longing for the coming of the promised one. This image must be expressed within your own wait for marriage. Christ was faithful in him in body and heart to a bride whom he had not yet met. He reserves his deepest affection for the one whom God had given him. And likewise, we are called to the same faithfulness. Ultimately, then, we are not to stir up sexual, romantic love, emotional love in our hearts over the hearts of another outside the context of a marriage relationship. We must refrain from doing things, whether relationally or otherwise, that cause us to arouse romantic love in our hearts prior to our ability to properly consummate such love in a marriage relationship because this paints an unclear picture, an unclear portrait of the gospel of Christ's relationship with his bride, the church. The best way to prepare, the best way to conduct yourself, as I said yesterday, is to be in preparation as the bride of Christ for the day that he comes to claim you as his bride. You prepare for that day. And the and, and your physical wedding day with another person will take care of itself in many ways. Today is the day that Christ may return. So don't wait until tomorrow. If you've not dedicated your life to him, today is the day. He has saved you. He has given himself to you. You have no ability, shape or form to be worthy of that. Only by his grace does he extend you the free gift of salvation and accept it today? The satisfaction that we seek 
in a relationship with another person is one that only God can fill. There is nothing on earth that you can truly satisfy apart from that can truly satisfy satisfy apart from God. God is most glorified, John Piper, when I am most satisfied in him. We are made for community, but ultimately that community is with God. The biblical way of relationships may sound sterile and dry, but we must remember God's give God gives boundaries not because what he is protect not because he is protecting us from what is good, but rather because he wants to direct us to the best. He's protecting us from the bad to direct us to the best. Do it his way and you will never regret it. You will have more fun and pleasure than you can possibly imagine. But that requires faith. You won't do this perfectly. The heart is unable to trust it, but you can do this well. You can do this very well. Very well. And if you mess up, which you will, there's grace. There's forgiveness. There's repentance. God always does things for his glory and his good. No other reason. So if there's a mess up there, there's something good for you and there's something glorifying to God. Respond correctly to it. Respond with humility, with love, with honor, with purity. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the time that we've had to study your word. And oh, Father, I thank you that you are, you give clear direction as to how we are to conduct relationships. That we do not, you do not leave us to ourselves to determine your will in this area. But you gave us very clear directives, very clear categories, very clear boundaries. And I pray, Father, that you would help us to remain humble, that we'd always seek you, that we would never look to anything other than Scripture as sufficient in these areas. I thank you for the young people. And I pray, Father, that you would raise up godly marriages in this church. Marriages that are marked by purity before that relationship of marriage. I pray for these young people that you would give them wisdom and humility to conduct themselves in a way that is honoring to you first and to their brother and sister in Christ second. I pray, Lord, that you would give us as a church wisdom in how to respond to relationships that we see happening around us. That we would be able to respond in an age-appropriate biblical manner for the purpose of encouraging and exhorting those around us to the maturity, to the, for sanctification, for the perfection in Christ. Father, I thank you for this day. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.